Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, and welcome back to the Roker Report Extra podcast in association with Walks Brewery. Sunland have lost four of their last five games and Sands a 5-0 win over Tramia Rovers last week. Things are looking really, really grim. So it's a pretty good job that we've got the League One Whitman Boys on Saturday, or is it? To cheer us up and to prove that things could potentially be worse is my favourite guest from last year's pod. We've got Liam from All at Sea Fanzine. How are you doing, Liam? Are you well? Uh, other than the football, very well, Graham. Glad to be back. Thanks for having me. Not a problem at all. It was a bit different last time we spoke, I think. It was the last game of the season. You had to win to stay up. We pretty much had nothing to play for, but but you won. Um, but things have changed a bit, haven't they? Yeah, and and wasn't that a sticking plaster over a gaping wound that required surgery? Um, <laughs> we uh, things have changed a bit. Well, things haven't changed too much because you're still at the top of the table, but not quite there, and we're still down the bottom and very much in trouble. Um, the only thing that has changed, managers have changed since then. Um, and I don't know how uh, I don't know how you guys are feeling. Obviously, I suspect that your uh, your fan base was quite split last time we spoke about whether Jack Ross should stay in charge. Yeah, but now he's, he's gone, gone now. Now he's gone. I think that was. I think I was actually listening back to our our pod before that, and I actually mentioned that was a Jack Ross in man at that point. I quickly became. Jack Ross out when the new season started, so it's strange how things can change. Um, but I think at that time, I think it was just before we were due to go in the playoffs, I think we had nothing to play for. And if I remember rightly, we put in a really limp performance at Rutol that day. I watched the whole game and it was, I remember being particularly angry that it felt like we rolled over that match. How, how did you find it? Well, I think that I was, I was too nervous to really have a, 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 a clinical assessment as you do about that game. <laughs> I think that um, you, you deserve the penalty that you got because about five or ten minutes before that, there was a clear trip on, I think, Maguire by perhaps even White again. So I think 2-1 was probably a fair scoreline. I think we probably just edged it um, and it sort of summed up our entire season, really. What, what, what's been worse for us is that... Um, <sighs> I think I might have spoken to you, to, to you about this at the time. What Sunderland had done when you were in the Premier League, you sacked your manager every Christmas, got a new one in with a new window and managed to just about stay up every year. And then you dismissed them again after six months. Now, it's really easy to get caught in that cycle. And what I'm worried about from, from Southend's perspective is that exact same thing happening to us. Um, 
in that we, we cannot afford to... We, we hired Bond chiefly because he kept us up and we felt like we owed him, but it was really, it was really, really the wrong appointment. The players aren't fit. They were asked to be playing, playing the ball out from the back, which is something that you know, all professional footballers should be able to play 15-yard passes along the ground, but something they clearly weren't comfortable with. Um, he brought a number of average players down from Scotland who didn't really seem to improve either the squad or the first team. And it's we just we've gone back. Can you believe it? We've actually gone backwards from the end of last season. Significantly backwards as well, I think. Yes, mate. Looking at the <laughs> looking at the league table, uh, yeah, you're, Please don't. you're second bottom, but only there's only Bolton keeping you adrift, really. But it's, I mean, some of the results I've looked at. I mean, I've looked at your record this season. It's I, I want to be nice as I can, but it's, it's awful. Um, second yeah, bottom. Yeah, we're shit. We are. There's yeah. no real other adjective for it. We are. Um, shit comes in all different sizes. There's chicken shit, cowards. There's uh, <laughs> dog shit, pitches. But um, we're just we're just plain shit. And, and um, that doesn't really, even with Sol Campbell coming in, that doesn't really look like changing in the immediate future. I mean, I'm looking at the the kind of the record that you've got, and there's there's definitely a few things that stick out. Um, second bottom, fair enough. Um, won one game that sticks out a lot lost 12 that really sticks out 7 points from safety but then the big one is conceded 43 which is about 20 more than your nearest rivals what yeah so you, if you you've got the that? table in front of you there I think we've played 15 games yes so, that's right uh, 45 goals conceded in, four, in 15 games would be an average of 3 a game so we're just shipping ever so slightly shy Whatever that average is, I don't know, but it's ever so slightly shy of three goals a game. So if, essentially, if you play, if any team plays Southend United at the moment and scores uh, two goals or less, uh, they're doing worse than average. I think the most terrifying thing that I saw, I can't remember who we were playing, but we got beat. I remember that much. I think it was Wickham. And I was sitting in my girlfriend's house and I seen that he got beat 7-1 off Doncaster. But then I got even more shocked. Because I thought you sacked Kevin Bond about two months ago, then I looked at we it, had. and there was still no manager there, and I thought, hang on, they got beat 7-1 at home, that's pretty bad, but who's the manager? Who is the manager? And there was no manager there, so I have to sort of ask, you went weeks without sacking a new manager after sacking Kevin Bond, how long was it in total you actually didn't have a manager? So we ended up, Gary Waddock, um, so when Bond was appointed in the summer, he brought in Waddock, who had previously managed at uh, Wickham and Aldershot amongst I think it was Wickham definitely Aldershot amongst others um, been reasonably successful with them and he also brought in Svetoslav Todorov who I think he knew from his time at Portsmouth that is a throwback and, name um, Jesus Waddock ended up taking charge for more games than uh, than um, Bond in the end because Bond's we were we were so so abysmal under Bond that um, I think we I think we did lose all of our games except one League Cup match. We were so abysmal that he just had to go. Whereas Waddock, I think we, we persevered a little bit longer because we were the search was underway for a, like a, a permanent, a proper permanent replacement that we've now found in Sol Campbell. It went on for ages. There was the chairman, to his credit, has put a lot of money into the football club. Um, he we owe the football club owes him about seventeen at, at last count. So that was not this summer just gone, but the last one before that owes him a personal debt of about 17 million quid. And in League One, that is not a small amount of money. That's huge. Um, and he's done a bit like what this guy Evans has done at Ipswich. He's constantly, he's never been able to get the, the, the club uh, self-sufficient. But he's, so he's just had to keep dipping his hand in his pocket over and over again. And there's a lot of rumours when 
Henrik Larsson was being considered for the job, that he was going to bring some external investment with him and that some of the debt was going to be written off. Um, and so all sorts of uh, ideas were flying around about what may or may not have happened. But um, that fell apart literally at the last minute. Larson was about to get on plane to come and sign the deal to be South End manager. But um, they had a guy whose name escapes me, Tommy something, who's recently gone to Blackpool. He's the head of, he was the head of recruitment at Nottingham Forest. And the idea was that he would replace, it was going to be uh, Count as assistant manager and it was going to be Larson as the manager. And this guy from Nottingham Forest was going to, um, was going to supplement their knowledge of the game with his knowledge of lower league football. But, and, the, and the chairman was very keen for him to come as part of the deal, but uh, it all collapsed as a result of that. And then we ended up with another sort of 10 days whereby the chairman is then having to resurrect talks with Sol Campbell and sort of convince him that, oh, no, you weren't. You, you were who we wanted all along, so you were really the right man for the job. It seems like, it, it feels like champ man or one or two when you're in like your 20th season. Like Henrik Larsson as manager, Dirk Coit as the assistant, and, and Todorov, I was going to say his first name then, I was going to get it wrong, like stuck in there somewhere as well. What was the football manager all about? Because it does feel like that, doesn't it? Like the names mentioned just feel like like you would be playing with regens by this point and you'd have like, you've got Larson as your manager, you've got someone, like just random names stuck in there, like Stig Inga Bjornby as first team coach, why not? <laughs> um, I, I'm not really sure. Our, our chairman loves a big name. Uh, no one had touched Phil Brown for a long, long time. I think Derby was his last full-time appointment. Yeah. Before he was, um, he was turned down by Morecambe, maybe. I might be getting that wrong. But before he before he joined us um, in the early noughties, and just loves he just loves a big name. He loves someone famous. He loves someone that used to play in the Premier League. Um, the chairman loves it so much that Brown was appointed with like seven games left of the of the season. Uh, in in his first year, and we had Jeremy Kyle come in the uh, dressing room at half time to not do a team talk, but to sort of show the lads that I don't know what he was doing, shaking hands or something like that, or telling them to get a DNA test or whatever. But um, <laughs> he just he just he just loves the drama. Um, I mean, if he's bringing is, in Jeremy Kyle, that is literally like the definition of I love drama, isn't it? Like, what the yeah, hell could he, he possibly bring? He loves so much that people are dying over it. So uh, yeah, he will, he's a real big fan of it. I mean, you, you can say a lot of things, but you can't say following Southend has been boring. We've finished mid-table in something like, I don't know, three out of the past 15 years or something. We've always had like a promotion or a, a cup run or we've always had something to sustain or even a relegation. We've always had something to keep our, uh, to keep our interest. Um, but uh, 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 we did our past and we all just sat there and just said, if we could just please have... Uh, like an average heart rate of below 100 for nine months, that would be great. What? Well, well, I mean, last time we spoke, the one thing I remember about was Hall was that you've got a problem with foxes shitting in the ground. Have you still got that problem as well? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I suppose I'm aware the club doesn't employ someone specifically to deal with that. Was that some, was that some random like Daily Mail, deep Daily Mail article or something was it that you found? I don't remember. All I, all I remember... Story. All I remember is that I went to Roots Hall in... We, we lost 3-1. Lee Bradbury scored twice. John Stead scored for us. It was championship days. And I remember a massive turd right in front of my seat, front row, just this huge turd. And I said to the, <laughs> I said to the security guy or the, the steward, like, there's a huge turd, mate. Like, what's that about? Is no one going to clean it? Because, like, that's right in front of me. If we score, I'm standing in it, which we we didn't really 
score a goal. Daryl Clarhaven was playing in goal, but he was he was not shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, that, you were not a bad team then. I mean, you you beat us and we ended up winning the league, I think, and you went down. But at that point, and I, I'm sure the the steward said you had a problem with foxes shitting in Rutol. Like they get in and you can't stop Fox from getting in. Um, I have to I have to say that was about that must have been about fifteen years ago now, oh. so two thousand and five to two thousand and six. So I suspect so if the council have done anything about it, I think they've killed every single fox in the town. So you should be all right. I'm guessing the Tories then. <laughs> well done, mate. Well done. <laughs> Back to the football and away from fox shit. Forty three goals conceded. I don't quite believe I'm going to say this, but has anything? of that got to do with losing Michael Turner? No, he wasn't. No. He wasn't. No, no. We haven't had any good defenders in a long time, mate. Um, we've our, our best defender this year is uh, the guy who was captain of our youth team a couple of years ago. He's won Elvis Buomono, who um, has played right back and a little bit of left back to cover, um, has been far and away our most consistent player this year. Although he's not really in the, in our squad, he's not really being up being compared up to too much. Uh, we've had more injuries to our first choice keeper, which has meant um, uh, Bishop, who was the goalkeeper when we played you last year, uh, has uh, has come back in. He really struggles keeping clean sheets. Um, I I have thought for a while that he's not really good enough. But what happened was in, on his debut in the first few games, he made a lovely couple of Hollywood saves ah. in each game. And the fans all went, oh, wow, a youth team prospect and he can play in goal. And he's got blonde hair and everyone thinks he's like Dan Bentley, who went <laughs> to um, Bristol City in the summer. But I'm not sure he's actually any good, in all honesty with you. So um, the, the, the sort of last line of defence hasn't been there for a long time. Um, we've chopped this season, we've chopped and changed defenders. We've chopped and changed formations. Um, we've, we're still recovering from injuries a little bit from last year. Players falling out of form. Um, it's just, you know, you can't you can't keep clean sheets if it's not settled. Or the whole the whole thing about organisation is that you have to know where your teammates are, and they don't. You know, we we brought Liam Ridgewell in over the summer, who's the sort of who has replaced the Michael Turner role in the squad by not really being good enough, but being old and and reasonably well known at League One level, and. Um, he was brought on uh, on the first game of the season, and then was and then hasn't been seen since. You know, we just—it's just the inconsistency is there. Uh, you guys are going to have—I'm uh, really worried. I think you guys are going to have a field day against us um, so. this weekend. I hope so, and I—I I, I hope I don't eat my words on this podcast. But I—I I, I am quite confident and happy that we're playing you because we've—we've we've been okay recently, but just lost games. Like we were actually not bad against Shrewsbury last week. We hit the bar and the post like three times, but. We we got beat one nil. But talking about your defence, there's a big name that sticks out for me, and that's possibly because um, I come from a Rangers supporting family outside of myself. Um, big big Rob Keenan. If there's any Rangers fans listening, they'll they'll remember that name for probably all the wrong reasons. But how's Rob Keenan doing on? Is he still as bad as he always was? So again, he um, he was signed by Brown. We had him as a we had him from Wigan on a loan spell for six months. He played really well, and this was long before his Rangers days. He played really well. He was recalled by Wigan uh, and then and then did quite well for them. Uh, as soon as he signed for us, he might have even injured himself before he joined, actually. But he ended up with tendonitis or cruciate ligament injuries in oh. both knees and ended, and ended up missing nearly two full seasons of football. Um, he came back towards the end of last season and played in a deeper midfield role and was essentially, was essentially asked to protect the back four and be a big head in midfield and just sort of um, screen and hold the ball. Because he's, he's reasonably good with a football 
at his feet. Yeah, he's, it's um, more his physical presence is not the greatest from my memory. No, but but we were very lightweight in midfield at the time, and actually we were, we were just short of numbers towards the end of last season. So what he was asked to do was just sit in front of the back four and, and be like a calm head because he still played a lot of games for quite a young lad. This year um, he's been part of part of the defence and he's played quite a few games, but he doesn't look like the sort of player that is going to keep you at this level. We've got yeah, I think um, I'm not. He, there are a lot of players. I'll bring you up a copy of our fanzine uh, next weekend. Um, and you'll get to read it. But our editorial was written by my co-editor, Jay, and he described them as mutinous uh, this last week. And the truth is that, you know, they're, they're not really... The players that are good enough aren't trying, and the players that aren't good enough are numerous. So um, I was... I, I thought... I remember at the end of last season, I thought we might draw 1-1 with you. I thought we had a reasonable chance of getting a point just because you had nothing to play for. Yeah. But I have absolutely no faith in our ability to get anything out of this game. You may be surprised, but I heard that you, I mean, you played Ipswich last week, who are, if I believe right, are the top of the league, I think, on uh, either themselves or, or Wickham, something like that. Um, I haven't looked at the top of the league for a while, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> um, but I read a little bit about, obviously, what happened in the, the Ipswich game, and I don't think it's any real shame getting beat off Ipswich. I've said from the start of the season they're going to win the league and I think they still will but apparently there was quite an improved performance has, has Sol Campbell made any differences or was it just a case of new manager kind of got a show face not too bad first game expected to get, get beat anyway we didn't get stuffed so we weren't too bad I think um, I think what Campbell has done is is at least uh, given the players a bit of uh, a bit of a figurehead under Bond, the rumours going around was that he was um, he was forgetting players' names and didn't really he didn't really seem to know what his job was. He would keep giving these press conferences and he would just repeat these same things over and over again. And he just he, he genuinely seemed just out of his depth. Um, and I think that that uh, not to blame Waddock because he performed uh, professionally under very difficult circumstances. I wouldn't say performed well, but you know he, he never he, like. Bond it just before he got sacked was like not facing the media and stuff. So Waddock, I think, did did very did reasonably well under very difficult circumstances. I think what Seoul has done is now the players feel like there's a bit of purpose around the club, and I think they have they're all what I hope is that they're all um, starting to play for their places and starting to actually get their backsides in gear and play a bit better. Um, like you say, Ipswich are top of the league. I'm not sure there is any real uh, shame or uh, in losing to them, uh, but. Uh, yeah, hopefully well, this this appointment has come at the wrong time because we played a few teams down the bottom of the league. We lost four one at home to Wimbledon, who are the team above us. Um, we, uh, you, you know, we we should have we should have made this appointment six weeks ago, uh, but we didn't. And now we have a tough run of games. We've got to play you, then we've got to play Portsmouth on Tuesday night. Um, so I'm travelling up to Sunderland to see to see that game, and then I live in Brighton, so that's a that's a fair old journey. And then I've got to travel an hour and a half along the coast to go and see us lose at Portsmouth as well. Um, and I, I hope, yeah, I think I think Sol Campbell, I think the performances will improve. I think the organisation will improve. I don't know what they're like as coaches, but he's, he's brought Andy Cole in um, as his striking coach uh, as part of his as part of his backroom team. Uh, and he was a fantastic player. So was so was Campbell. So I mean, terrible if they can't learn us. from these two, Andy Cole was terrible for us. You probably even forget that he played for us. Terrible. Yeah, actually, considering how how well he did at Newcastle, I'm surprised he did pull on a, a black hat shirt. He was he was horrendous. He came in in the Roy Keane years for about 
four games and he was the most finished looking Andy Cole that you could have possibly <laughs> ever brought in. But Roy Keane did that quite a bit. As much as I love Keane for every reason under the sun, he did bring in a lot of players that were like absolutely finished. Like I remember at one point we had Ian Hart at left back and we Oof. had Andy Cole up front. And I'm sure we had some other dickhead in the middle. I can't remember who it was, but we had we had a team that was just essentially like finished alongside like Craig Gordon, who we spent like nine million pounds on. It's a bit weird, but I'm sure as a coach, yeah, he did right. have that one good game against France in a qualifier, though, didn't he? He did, yes, for for Scotland, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. even I remember that, and then yeah. absolutely nothing with Scotland. James McFadden, no, no, coming, coming. Like my my girlfriend's Scottish, uh, my, a lot of my family are. So that particular game does get banged on about quite a bit. The James McFadden days. Another player who we signed when he was well past his sell by date was absolutely rubbish. I don't know how I went on this tangent, but I'm just remembering rubbish players we signed that were well past its sell by date. Maybe I could like wing it back to Southend by talking about Michael Turner. Um, I was looking at uh, your games actually that you've had recently, and you mentioned like about how I mean we, we touched on the seven-one at Doncaster, which is rotten. Um, but one thing I've kind of weirdly noticed is that in some games you've scored like loads of goals. Um, still not one, but scored um, like Shrewsbury. Yeah, there's three. been a couple of four threes in there. We lost to Wickham and Shrewsbury four three. Shrewsbury. You got a draw against uh, Fleetwood at home. Not a bad result. Yeah, um, we uh, we have a real problem with conceding. So if you look at, if you look back at like the first nine or ten games of the season, we tended to concede goals in pairs. So we would concede, and then less than ten minutes later, we'd have let in another one. Often it would just be like two or three minutes between goals. And so what what in those games we were really really uncompetitive because it was all over. That whole idea that 2-0 is a dangerous scoreline does not count when you're playing Southend United in the first in the last three months. But in games where we would get a foot in the game, Humphreys has, has played really well in fits and starts. He was the guy that scored the... He was the guy in the mask that scored the winner against you at the end yeah. of last season. Um, he is a real sort of... He runs around the pitch like a racehorse. He really like thuds his feet into the turf. Like when he, he, if you imagine he runs past you, you probably feel him coming before you hear him or see him, <laughs> and then he's gone. Um, and he's he's got two really good feet, uh, and he looks like he could be a real player for us. He's probably one of the few players. He's he's not consistent enough, but then I think that a lot of that comes with he's been in and out of the team because Bond has dropped him. He's still struggling with his fitness a little bit. I think a lot of players are struggling with their fitness from our perspective. Um, but when but when we've scored, he's usually picked up a couple or um, towards the end of games like it was against Ipswich, you know, a lot of consolation goals. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just been the defence, mate. We just we just can't stop shipping goals. Yeah, it's weird when you look through like the stats of the games that you've played. Even the game against like Lincoln, for example, which you lost 4-0. You lost 4-0 against Lincoln, but they had 14 shots and five of them on target. Four of them went in. You had 10 shots in that game with three of them on target which actually is, it looks a lot closer than it should be. Possession was 51% in your favour. You look at games like the, you played Rochdale at home. They had 12 shots, you had 9 shots. It's the actual like possession-based stuff and the stats for how many shots you've had are not that far apart, even when you've been hammered. It just seems the defence is just shocking, doesn't it? Because your games have been quite close statistically. I, well, I think the statistics don't really tell the true story of what's happened. I think that what has happened in this season so far for us is we have had sort of 15, 20-minute periods where we have really been on top in the game. 
and that we might have bothered the goalkeeper and we might have won corners and we might be um, we might be holding possession around the halfway line. But we really just haven't done enough to put the ball in the back of the net. The final ball has been wayward. The finishing has been tame. Uh, and then what happens is, uh, you know, and that, and that sort of stuff is inevitable. No team, unless you're Barcelona circa 2008, no team can really stay on top of the game for the whole 90 minutes. So every team has their home or away. Every team has sort of 10 minutes one way, 20 minutes the other way, a little bit scrappy in midfield, then half time, whatever. So we've had our 20 minute spells, but we've just not been able to make any of it count. Um, I also think those possession stats are usually worthless um, only because I remember I've watched England for a long time and I've watched England play the ball across the back four into <laughs> whichever holding midfielder it was, turn, play it back to the fullback, play it back to the goalkeeper, play it back to the opposite fullback, then play it across the back four again. And so I just think possession stats are, are broadly meaningless. Where where the ball is in the pitch is usually uh, useful with possession stats. But we, we've tried to play it out from the back this year and teams have just sat off us knowing that we'll just give it away. We'll just make mistakes. We're just not good enough to play that sort of football. There's no point in, you can give, you might as well give us 51% possession if you're going to win 4-0. Fucking hell, just give us 75% possession and try and win 8-0. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't, like, we're, we're so bad. We're so, so relentlessly bad uh, at the moment, important caveat, that um, it, like, all of that stuff just sort of melts into the background. Because the chances are, if you create three chances in a game... You'll, you'll score one and we won't score another and you'll win one nil. So all you've got to do is get the ball in the box probably half a dozen times, turn half of those half a dozen into decent scoring opportunities, put one in the back of the net, and that's the game done. You might even get one in five minutes again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, last I remember last time when you came, actually, it was, it was vastly different at the stadium. Obviously, the win was comprehensive for us. I remember it was 3-0, I think. Um, I remember, it was 3-0, yeah. I remember Maguire scoring a screamer. But you, you were about 8 or something like that in the league at the time. Um, we played around the same sort of time, I think. Now, I'm going to ask probably quite a weird question, but I think I'll ask it and, and mention this beforehand. When I'm talking about where you think you'll finish and resigning yourself to certain things, I've all, already more or less resigned myself to the fact that the maximum we're going to get this season is the playoffs because I don't think we're good enough to get anything more than that. I doubt whether we're good enough to do that. I think we're quite an average right. League One team. But South End is seven points adrift. Have you resigned yourself to the fact that you think it might be too much of an uphill task, or do you think Saul Campbell has enough time to turn around? I think um, I think points-wise we can do it. You've got to remember there's still two thirds of the season left to play. Yeah. And so seven points is not um, in a in a mathematical sense seven points is not uh, uh, unachievable, like a, a deficit that can't be made up. Um, Goal difference is really what's going to do for us. Like last year, we only stayed up on goal difference. I, I can't remember exactly, but uh, Plymouth and Scunthorpe went down. We were equal on points with, I think it was Plymouth. And goal difference was the thing that kept us up. That's so right. we are yeah. Tranmere. Last time I looked at this is before this last weekend's games. Um, Tranmere were 15 goals ahead of us. So that is an enormous deficit to make up because you can win, you can win three games 1-0 and suddenly we're out of the relegation spots, but you're still 12 goals behind Tranmere if they draw three games nil-nil. So it's all like, all of that. That's what's going to do for us. What I'm worried about is, um, yeah, I, I, the things that will save us are Bolton's decision to unilaterally not turn up for a game earlier on in the season. You know where like the manager said, 
we're playing 19 year olds and they're getting beat 5-0 every week so we're just not going to turn up so we would be really helped if the football league decided they were going to give them like another 10 point deduction um, that would really help us out yeah. because then there, would, then there would continue to only really be two slots available because at the moment they're, they're getting put they're, um, they're earning points more than we are they've, they've earned more points this season than we have and they didn't have any fucking professionals. Sorry, I keep swearing, but this is really annoying me this season. <laughs> it's fine. Um, we can put the disclaimer had... on. I like, I like, I like, I like sweary, sweary pods. It, I'm going to be honest. It's, like, it's a bit of flavour and <laughs> a bit of spice. So um, they they earned more points this season. They didn't have any professionals until September. So I think they will go down. I think we will probably go down with them. We're not going to need a miracle, but you know, there's a lot of players in here that are going to have to work a lot harder than they have been working and perform a lot better than they have been performing. Um, and we could also do with, you, you know, all sorts of teams go on all sorts of runs. No one would have thought that Wimbledon would have survived last year, but they did. You know, anything could happen. We've still got a lot of football to play. But yeah. I, the general atmosphere, and I include myself in this, the general atmosphere from the fans is that we are expecting relegation at this point. In a, in a weird way, I don't want you to go down because I like you, Liam, but... Thanks, mate. I've looked at the I've looked at my predictions for the start of the season, and I'm all completely wrong. Apart from the top of the table, I've said Ipswich will do it, and then I've, this is what I wrote for Southend. Right now, I'm pretty bang on. I think I put escaping relegation by the skin of their teeth. I do worry for Southend this season, despite beginning last term just outside the promotion spots. They completely unravelled and were lucky to face an out-of-form Sunderland to save themselves on the final day. The permanent appointment of Kevin Bond is a worry, as I feel it was more like a manager to patch things up to the season's end rather than starting afresh in the summer. It feels like a safe option. As a team, they've not added anyone that stands out, whilst key man Simon Cox isn't getting any younger. They've also released Michael Turner. Sorry, Southend, but I think you're going to plummet. Pretty bang on so far, right? Yeah, yeah, word for word, you really Not hit that bad. beat. I'm actually quite impressed by that. I just looked at it and I thought, <laughs> did, I, did I say Southend would do that well? I was just on the page and I thought, well, I said Ipswich would go up. And I thought, oh, I wonder if Southend would go down. I'm pretty happy with that. But back to more pressing matters in Saturday's game. Um, I always ask everyone every week, so I might as well stick to, uh, keep to appearances, sorry. Uh, three players that you think uh, will damage Southend at the weekend. Um, I have to say, I've not really. It's been very difficult for me to, to keep up with what's going on in League One, and when it comes to other teams and their transfers and stuff like that, it's been it's been very difficult. And is is McGeady fit for you for you lot? I'm going to embarrass myself here now. He's fit but out of form. Fit but out. Okay. Of form. Um, although uh, that's debatable. Like we rely on him an awful lot. So I, I don't. There's there's no. Um, I'll um, I'll worm my way out of this right with with charm and with uh, <laughs> with, with, with bullshit. Um, there's there's no like individual player that is going to win a game against Southend. You'll win you'll win through a team effort. You know you could have that's what worries me. You, you you could have a lot of players turning in six out of ten performances, and you'll still probably sk- uh, stick a couple of goals past us. Um, it's, it's very I, I really cannot. I'm being quite jovial. I hope, but I really cannot overstate how. Um, not negative as in angry, but negative. Pessimistic is is the better word. I cannot overstate how pessimistic the mood is around the club at the moment. Um, and so to go and to play Ipswich and then to come off the back of that and then play Sunderland and then to come off the back of that and play Portsmouth, I, I must I confess I don't know an, an enormous amount about what's gone on at Sunderland this summer. Um, but there's there's no individuals that I worry about. It's it's whether we can even really compete at this level anymore. There's also the the point of how far Sunderland have dropped as well. Every week that I do this. 
did it with a Lincoln fan. I've now done it with yourself, Liam. Done it with different fans. And, and last, when I first started doing this, it was like, who are you worried about? And like, you normally the opposition fan in the championship could name two or three players that, you know, were yeah. played in the premiership previously. Now people kind of go, ah, oh, who's actually good for you again? <laughs> so that says how far we've fallen as well. McGeady is the obvious answer, but he is off form. But, um, we might see Will Grigg as well, who missed a, missed a penalty last night, which is just wonderful. But we've it's already... your squad turnover, Graham, that's done it. Oh. It's your squad turnover, and actually that hasn't changed. Even when oh. even when you're in the championship, you were still churning through players, and then you've been in League One and you've been buying in some players and churning through them. And it's just so. This is the real thing that you discover about lower league football is that you won't. You know, if I live away from Southend, so I don't get to see anywhere near as many games as I'd like. And I might go back, I might watch us play Gillingham at home one year, and then I might watch us play Bradford at home two years later, three years later. And their right back suddenly plays for Bradford. And you go, I didn't know he'd moved. There's just so much flexibility in like short-term contracts in the lower league. If you don't go up and you have a good player, they'll get picked up by a team bigger than you. Yeah. So it's really, and, and it's very difficult. What Ipswich has done cleverly is to get someone like Norwood, who is obviously capable of getting them out of this division, scoring enough goals. And um, what you know, that's why you have to get out of this league at the first time of asking. You've really got to try. Otherwise, you end up like Sheffield United and, and you end forever. up stuck here for five years. It feels like that. It feels like we're here forever, like consistently. It feels like it's, there's a really good article that's gone out today, which will be today's Wednesday for anyone listening um, to us anyway. Um, there's a really good article by George Corkin gone out on The Athletic about how Sunderland are now a lower level club and it's like every single thing he's wrote in it is, is so bang on like it feels like from the top downwards we're kind of operating at a league one level but fingers crossed I'm proven all wrong and I would like nothing more than egg on my face but before I let you go Liam score predictions, we've already touched on it a little bit um, I've I've actually asked the the guest the prediction recently and got they've they've said something I've said something else and we've got beat so I'm going to go first I'm going to say I'm going to say 1-0 to Sunderland I think you're being conservative I think it could quite comfortably be 2 or 3 I'll take either <laughs> uh, yeah I would I'll, I'll say I'll say 3-0 uh, this time last season uh, so Ben Coker was the one carried off injury, uh, injured with that, that nasty cruciate ligament yeah. injury um, and that was really the turning point of our season we lost Hopper the week before when we played, I want to say Charlton, but I might be wrong. It doesn't really matter. Um, but he did his ACL the week before. He was our top scorer at that point. And then Ben Coker, our left back, was had, had made the most assists. And we lost those two players to season-ending injuries within a week. And that was really... And then the rest of the time, we were just playing catch-up. So, essentially, I, I will take 3-0. I will take a 3-0 loss. I'll be happy with that. Um, I won't be happy with that, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, there'll yeah, be a smug sense in the back of my mind that we've had this conversation. <laughs> but if we can just get through it without losing any uh, losing any more players to injury, then then that's probably the key thing at this point. Perfect. Liam, thanks for coming on as always, mate. Always good to chat. Pleasure. See you at the end of the year. <laughs> yes, yes, we will. Well, you're coming up on Saturday. See you Saturday. Yes, sounds good. Good, perfect. Well, thanks very much, mate. Appreciate it. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.